You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. My gosh, have I got an interview subject for you. Coming up is Thomas Eklund, who is Trepanering's Ritualin, all the way from Sweden via Berlin. He is playing four shows in Australia, and that's the reason for the conversation. I never thought I'd say that, to be honest. Four shows in Australia. Unfortunately, he's not playing in Queensland. That's okay. It gives me an opportunity to go down to Sydney and catch up with my mum and also watch Thomas perform. I'll go through some dates. The 12th of July is the first. That's over in Perth at Inglewood, apparently. That might be in Perth itself. I don't know Perth that well, actually. So uh, might be out in Perth or just outside of it. Probably a suburb of Perth. Anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> Crowbar in Sydney, that's a show that I'm going to go to on the 13th. That's a Saturday night. The Tote on the 14th, obviously that's a Sunday night in Melbourne. And the final show is on July 16th at the Old Bar. It says City of Yarra in Melbourne, in Victoria, but I'm assuming that's in Melbourne somewhere as well. I'm as giddy as a schoolgirl on a Friday afternoon about Thomas coming down. I truly am. As you'll hear through the conversation, his music helps me go to sleep. I do put it on when I want to relax, I must say. Now, that might sound odd to the people that first discover his music, but probably not to the people that get into his music and really take the time to discover the beauty of Thomas's creations or, or if they're not his creations, he's a lightning rod for something else far beyond. You hear me talk about Trag Zagto through this conversation here as well. I think Thomas is probably the most inventive artist out there since him. Not just a guitarist, of course, because he, he might well play the guitar, but if you know Thomas's music, it's a mishmash of just about everything else. Let's go and listen to what Thomas has to say. Here we go. How's things? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's good to chat to you again. Actually, I was really excited to see that yeah. you were coming down because I, you probably recall we had a chat about a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I saw, uh, saw the name in the list and I remember. Yeah, it's um, the podcast episode, I'll let you know, mate, had a, it, was, it was really successful. A lot Sweet. of people listened to it, a couple of hundred people listened to it, which is pretty good for me, mate, to be honest. And the interesting thing yeah. for me is that most of my audience is in the States and that continued. Okay, so even yeah. though I'm here in Australia and I'm Australian about well over half of my audience is <laughs> in the States, but they listened to it, mate, and hopefully it converted a few who, who might not have been aware of you, and that was the whole purpose of that conversation at the time. Hopefully. You know. So, uh, mate, I mean, you've, been, you've had a lot go on since we last talked. You, you released... Oh, you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, go through a few things here. You released a brand new album in September 2018, the excellent Alpha Enigma. You released yep. uh, at a at a very good discount your entire discography, which I duly purchased on Bandcamp. So I've been Thank able you. to get some of that goodness into my life and continue. I, if you recall our conversation last time, I use your music to help me to go to sleep. It sends me off yeah. into the nether realms, and it still does that, mate. So thank you for... That's sweet. Yeah, keeps on doing that. And then, <laughs> mate, and the touring, I've seen the touring's been going really well for you. And lo and behold, something that I didn't think was going to happen for many years, you're in Australia. Yeah. So, mate, what can I, where, where do we go after this? You know, these Australian shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've... Yeah. You... You you must know, obviously, that the fact that you can come down here, and I know you're not playing in my part of the world. I'm actually flying down to Sydney to watch you play. But, oh, thank um, you very much. You've got two shows in Melbourne, and you've got this show in, in Sydney. So if, do you even know what sort of a show you're going to bring, or is it something that you sort of prepare much closer to the date? No, it's going to be uh, be the same set as I do in Europe with my, my regular drummer, but with uh, 
uh, Damien from Collapse filling in because uh, yep. Peter, my regular drummer, couldn't couldn't make it sadly. So it's going to be a for 40, 45 minute set of mostly based around uh, Coins Cult and some newer stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, well, Alpha Enigma, mate, is that done for you what you wanted it to do for you? Do you think it's reached the ears of the people that need to hear you? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's sort of, it was a very quick one to make. Uh, Hendrik and I just, we had a, had a notion and we it was done in a week, I think. It's a very focused, fo- focused and purposeful album. Some banishments that needed to be made and turned into a record, right. and then yeah. So, so what I were those? It, what were those banishments? What were those things that you needed to cast out from your sound and from what you were delivering to people? Anything specifically that you can share? No, we shouldn't go into the details of that one. It's uh, it's uh, it's some things that Nordvarger and I. <laughs> identified and needed to deal with. Yeah, that's interesting because I find your music so varied that every t- each of the albums that I've got and the various EPs and single releases that, that you have there on Bandcamp that are now safely ensconced into my iCloud library, um, yeah. your stuff is so varied, man, that it's so hard for me to describe to people, and I often do try and end up failing, your music. I often try to relay to people that if you want to listen to something genuinely different, something that I think is going to help you create new neural pathways so that you can get and do other things in this world, your music is actually a place to start. So it's very interesting to hear that things needed to be released in order for a new path and a new direction to be forged. Because I've always found you, mate, just you revolutionize your sound and the way now that I've got your catalogue. Yeah. I, re- I recognize the growth and I recognize the way in which you revolutionize your sound every release. Yeah. But there's al- there's always new impulses coming in and new um like we talked about the last time I'm I'm not that much in control of what's actually happening most of the time but it, it always seems that I always try to try to see if there's any new new aspects that need to be included or if what what's what's needed to be done to get to the next level and mm. That ultimately means that things. I wouldn't say it gets. Uh, I mean, it's not that spread out, but it, it also means there there are different impulses and there are different different aspects of the working that needs to be manifest in some way. And sometimes that requires something quiet and slow and meditative, and sometimes it needs to be violent and forceful. And mm. you're right. Whatever's whatever's needed. Is, that's what I do. So between us talking, I actually reached out to a lass called Erica Fravel, who's in the States there. I think she's in the Northeast somewhere. You might have heard of yeah. her, but she's this, I want to say world famous, Instagram famous void worshipper. I think she's actually left. Yeah. She's still on the platform, but I think she's actually left. But I reached out to her and I said, look, I, I, was, I didn't mention you, of course, but I was thinking that she'd be about the most interesting person that I'd spoken to if I could line yeah. up an interview with her since yourself. But she's gone, yeah. she's gone, so I don't know what she's done. She's sort of got a page there, but she's just got black images. But she was into something <laughs> called void worship. That's that's her yeah. thing, and I now that I, I sort of dived really deep into it to try to understand what it exactly was. But is void worship and and meditating with close to the void is that something that's important for you as well? Yeah, I think that I think that that is the that is probably the essence of the whole working. Ultimately, mm. trying to trying to reach beyond 
beyond everything creative and f finding yourself in that sort of natural state of unbeing or whatever you want to call it the the emptiness that that's outside of creation yeah because i think that's the that's our natural state that's that's how we're supposed to be the physical manifestation of the cosmos is a, is a mistake at at best I'm inclined to agree with you since our last chat because I've actually listened to our conversation a few times yeah. and it's so deep, some of the topics that we got into there. It was really necessary for me to continually revisit it in order to sort of connect with your music on a level deeper each time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It really helped the conversation that we had last time. It really helped me um, unravel the mysteries of your music, if you will, and I actually do understand what you're talking about. And the other theory that I don't think we touched on, although we may have from memory, was fire. So the only true creative force is fire in the universe because that is yeah. that that heat and fire. And you made you made a really good point about everything living seems to be in this state of agony, including yeah. us. I mean, if we didn't have modern medicine, we'd all be dead by the time we were ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'd never pre-propagate ourselves, would we? I mean, I mean, it's jo Jordan no, no. and Jordan Peterson talks about it a lot too. Not the void and other things that we talked about in the past, but he talks about how when people want to go back to nature, he goes, do you know what you're actually saying? Do you know how violent nature actually truly is and how destructive yeah. it is? And the reason that we as human beings have evolved to live in cities and we need civilization and society in order to, to, to function in this, it might be an illusion that we've created for ourselves, but an illusion that's very real to so many yeah, of us. definitely. You know, and uh, so that's a good question for you, mate. Have, have you have you connected with any of these these modern day philosophers like Jordan Peterson? Do you connect with their message at all? No, I don't pay much attention to those things at all. I I know the name, but I've never really read or heard him speak or anything. Yeah. But there there seems to be a general need for for abandoning the so called civilization. Yes, a, that's the. I think it's a like it's built into us. We're we're not supposed to be here, and we're certainly not supposed to be a hundred years old and live in concrete buildings. And it's very unnatural. So, if the void, I, is... I mean, it's an it's an un, unnatural thing of, on top of something I also think is unnatural because our primordial state is not physical. So, where does the soul exist then? Because assuming we have one, or do we have one, that's a good question for you. Where does it exist? Yeah. Because there is some God force or some force beyond the astral realms that is compelling us to be held together you know, as human beings, as, as, as a physical entity. So what's that? That's a very good question. That yeah. is hard to answer. I think this is, I mean, this, the soul is a, as an idea is part of, of this creation, and maybe it really isn't something real maybe it's just the aspect of us that is actually looking for for the primordial state that's our soul mm. why do people like you and, so why do people like you and i then truth seekers if you want to call us that why do we exist whereas 98.9 percent of the population probably far greater than that maybe 99.9 <laughs> Why do you think that they're walking along in this, you know, this material void where they're attached? I mean, look, I'm attached to the outcome of rugby games and cricket matches and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. I can't help it, you know. I'm human, right? I, no. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, why are we aware of this thing that is beyond our consciousness? And 
you're far more advanced than I am with regards to this and so far as you're actually connected to it and you help it make it helps you make music and really you're the vehicle for it to make music I should say but why do you yeah. think we as human beings tend I, to just drift I think mo- most I don't know we have, we have a physical side and I think the physical side is probably very powerful it we it wants to it wants to exist that's like the the self sense of self-preservation there's something in your body that really is attached to all the material things and unless you work very hard at it you're you're not going to be able to escape that and that's a process i mean i think that every turn you have to uh, every time you need to get back into the physical world you're you're bound to learn a little bit more and eventually you know enough to actually be able to set aside your physicality if even, even if only briefly as long uh, as long as you're forced into rebirth then you're going to be attached to the physical world but eventually you get to the point where you can actually let go and not not continuously be respawned into this cosmos yeah that's a real interesting theory or question that i put out there to people actually who People like yourself who know, because I, I too am convinced that we're entering into this cycle of reincarnation with not a lot of ways out. We just keep no. on going through it. And I, I, I'd love to understand. I think part of the purpose of it is to force us to forget and to re, really be stuck here. Don't mean to dive into yeah. a, you know what some of these Scientologists believe, because I'm certainly not that. But, <laughs> you know, it, it just seems to be this reincarnation cycle. And it's like, well, how much options do we really have in this cosmos to truly evolve? Very few. As long as you have a physical body, you're always going to be an animal, and an animal is violent and basic and hmm. doesn't get very far. At least most of them. No. Well, maybe that's not fair to tell, say that animals are base, but they are in a way. We are. We all are. Well, there's only two things that they do, isn't there? Or three things, really. They propagate the species, they eat and they shit. (laughs) Sorry, but that's about it. They're not building civilizations like what humans are. We're we're definitely much further along because of this gift of sentient consciousness, which can also be a bloody curse, can't it? Because we're so... People like you and I are aware of our shortcomings and our fragility, and we feel like as though we want to evolve beyond into whatever the genuine next stage in our spiritual evolution can be, but... I think it's inevitable, mate, that we'd, we've got to come back. Yeah. How do we break it? I mean, that's the question that I wish somebody could answer for us. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for, I think. Well, you're I doing a good job, enough. but you're doing a good job huh? because you're doing it through music. And I honestly believe yeah. that. I actually believe that. I know these, these two things. This is going to sound baddie okay, but I actually believe people who perform at a very high level at sport are very similar to people like yourself, okay? Because yeah. you understand how to isolate extremely important aspects of your life and focus and focus and that's what you're able to do is like when i look at um the formula one race car drivers for example or the nascar drivers you know i like i don't like nascar that much because we don't have it here but formula one we of course they've got the one down in melbourne and i really admire um oh god what's the name of the australian rider at the moment the driver at the moment sorry what a shocking daniel daniel ricardo no idea (laughs) daniel daniel ricardo he just seems like as though he's you know he's He's just so focused and all the rest of it. And you and him, even though 
it's it to people listening it sounds like a naff comparison i think you guys would have a lot in comparison a lot in common if you were able to talk to each other he's zooming around tracks so fit so fast and you're doing something similar with regards to your connection to source yeah i never thought about that but possibly because i have no interest in <laughs> sports whatsoever <laughs> but any any sort of endeavor you that requires focus and, means that you need to be attached to parts of your of your being in a way that maybe most people aren't and that can be anything i guess from cooking to creating art to mm. playing sports even though i think art is probably above everything great because it's yes. the only <laughs> it's all the the true a truly sublime form of yeah. communication it's not i mean in a way, it's connected to physicality because, I mean, sound is just vibration, so that is physical, but it also, it's abstract in a way that no other art form is. Painting is just painting and photography is photography, but music is one step further, I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I do agree with you. When I look at really what our contributions to the universe or the broader cosmos would be, genuinely in terms of forging brand new pathways and stuff yes i've already said sport because i think a lot of these people they go beyond where their, their human their human body is failing them yet they still find a way to go on but i also think that that's is very, definitely true yeah yeah but i also think it's really true for artists as well because they people like you are breaking down mental barriers within yourself and forging new neural pathways new spiritual pathways and that is where genuine creation occurs Okay, that's and true. and I love look even this artwork here, mate, that you've done. That's accompanying that you can purchase from the UMAC website. That they've done yeah. this black and red artwork. Is this something that you've come up with, or was that Damien and the guys here? No, I did, I designed that. I uh, I found a picture in a book in my library. The when I was in, the first picture I found when I was looking for something for the poster was these uh, Australian spirit dancers. I don't. It, doesn't exactly uh, state which tribe or anything like that, but but it was I found it kind of intriguing. The the first picture I saw when I opened the first book when I was looking was actually from your part of the world. It's meant to be. It's meant to yeah. be. Yeah, you know, I, it, you know, I love it. It's just great. I'm actually going to get the poster and block mount it so it doesn't decay. Because I do oh, yeah. that Thank with some you. of my stuff, you know. Oh, it's great, mate. Yeah. I think you need people out there need to support you. I mean, you, you, yeah. I mean, you've mentioned it, man. We we're all sort of captive to this bloody material world, whether we like it or not. We've all got to live here, no matter how yeah. enlightened we might be, the Dalai Lama or what have you. We've all got to live <laughs> here, mate. We all need money. I think it's so important that when we identify that there's somebody like you that is helping humanity move forward, and you're doing it through your music, that we support you financially, and the internet is the I mean, you know, 20 years ago, it couldn't have happened, of course, because the internet didn't have the, the penetration, but we can support no. you these days by doing that. Yeah, that's the fantastic thing about modern technology, especially when you're doing doing things that don't appeal to most people. You're actually, you're able to reach reach the right people in a lot, hmm. in a way easier way than, I mean, you have always been able to. I'm old enough to remember when you sent money across the globe for things but it certainly was a lot more work finding the finding the sources to what you needed 
Yes, that's right. And and what's your views on social media these days? I mean, I assume it actually really helps you because it was the way that I was able to connect with you. Do you find it as a necessary evil or are you quite quite positive about it? I wouldn't go so far to, to say it's an evil, but I'm also not overly interested in it. It's just a, it's just a way of communicating. And obviously, creating art means that you need to communicate Mm. And yeah, it's just a just a way to communicate, quick and easy. But yeah, here's a good question for you then. Okay, does an artist need an audience? I don't know. It depends on the artist, I guess. I think I would. I mean, therapy in a lot of ways is about about making me grow as well. So I guess I would. In some sense, I would be doing it even if no one was paying attention. Mm. But, so feel it's it's an important aspect of TRP that this needs to be taken to as many people as possible. If I can reach everyone, yeah. that then I'm gonna reach everyone. <laughs> I have yeah. no 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 notion of keeping it cult or necro or whatever people say. It's just <laughs> I wanna I wanna reach as many people as possible. Yeah, Most but... people are not gonna get it anyway, so. <laughs> but if you reach nine million, nine billion people, then you reach as many people as you can. Yeah, it's so true what you say. Most people won't get it anyway, so you might as well, might as well reach as many years as possible. So as though the one in, I don't know, what's the ratio? One in 100,000 or so people that do listen to you can actually <laughs> connect with you. So I think that's why yeah. I've just, because I'm, I'm at, since we last spoke, the big change for me in my life is that I'm at university. Okay, I'm at a good moment mm. bond here on the Gold Coast, and I'm learning how to. I'm studying journalism, and I'm I'm three semesters in. This is my third semester now, so I'm going through something of a reinvention myself, and I'm really passionate about artists like you. And I actually, um, you you of course know the band Morbid Angel. Um, I actually yeah. I reached out to Trey's mother to have a chat to her. And, and That's she, interesting. She's open to it, mate. She's actually open to it. Yeah, I. I I've That's got, fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful because as you, you you probably know again, Trey doesn't is very hard to get to agree to do interviews. I don't even think he does them. Yeah. So I had I had a chat to Steve Tucker um, at the release of Kingdoms Disdained actually at the end of might have been just before I spoke to you actually. Now that yeah. I think about it, uh, he was a lovely guy, but mate, Trey is Trey. He's he's the iconoclast of modern not just death metal guitar playing, but of all guitar playing in my view. And I um, indeed. I've had some very nice interactions with his mother online, so hopefully I can line her up and uh, insof- when I say line her up, God, it sounds a bit odd. Hopefully I can, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I can, I can uh, have that conversation with her and and we can release it for people to listen to because I'm really keen to understand how Trey grew up and what sort of influences yeah. were in the home life because he's he's a bit similar to you. Again, I think he's somebody that you've got a lot in common with and. Uh, it would be interesting to, you know, I, I think about this sort of stuff. I think if I was doing a podcast and if I could have guests on, any guests on that I want, I'd like to have someone like yourself and Trey on at exactly the same time and we just go to That'd Alpha be Centauri and beyond. That would be interesting. Yeah, it, it would be very 
the thing for me is trying to find out what people who make music, which I think is really important for humanity's sake, what you guys have got in common. And it might turn yeah. out you've got nothing in common, but it'd be nice to explore that on a podcast, like in a conversation for a podcast episode yeah. and actually see if it bears fruit. Because I think there are a lot of people out there like you and I who are truth seekers and who, are, who aren't fixed on a particular ideology. We're just moving beyond and we're just open to new ideas and stuff. And I think that's really apparent in both yours and his creations. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I haven't actively listened to Morbid Angel in probably 20 years, but there's obviously something in... in yeah, don't know, maybe uh, forces beyond are conspiring against us to cut the call off. <laughs> yeah, you know? or not talk about Morbid Angel, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, some, sometimes these things happen. Yeah, sometimes You think, yeah, maybe that's a sign not to talk about it anymore, so I guess we'll take it and move on to the next topic of conversation. Yeah. But, uh, mate, your Australian fan base, and, and uh, when we last spoke, you were aware that you had an audience down here, and you were aware that you had yeah. fans interacting and the like, but how did... Um, did Damien reach out to you to organise this, or were you just? As I remember, recall you were actively looking for a promoter to actually get you down here. So, did, was it you that reached out to him, or the other way? No, it was Damien who, who asked me. Uh, I've known known him for a few years now, and he got an opportunity to get me down there, and he just asked if I wanted to go. <clears throat> and obviously, I said yes because, yeah, you don't say no to no to things like that. Hmm. Yeah, no, well, it's, it's fantastic. And have you had a lot of interaction with this via social media as well? Have people been, has the response been good? Like, in other words, I guess I'm asking the direct question of pre sales gone well for you? I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, seems, it seems to be a, a lot of excitement going on. I've been fairly preoccupied with everyday stuff lately, so I haven't really been following up on what's going on, but it seems to be. Uh, be uh, People are happy that and amazed that I'm going that far to play, and it I, was pretty yeah. amazing. I mean, it's the other side of the world, so I've been raving about it. I'm so excited. Yeah, I believe me. I don't like Sydney, so it's it's got to take somebody like you to bring me to go down to Sydney. <laughs> yeah, so no offense, people That's from a good Sydney, but, <laughs> but it's uh, it's just not that nice, mate. To be honest with you, as a city to live in, it's just a bloody hard city to live in these days. Um, I can imagine. My, my mother actually lives down there, and I only ever occasionally go down there just to bring my daughter down there, daughters down there to see her. Um, and I'll be doing the yeah. same thing. I'll bring my daughter down there, and she can stay overnight and have granny time, and I'll go out and watch you and the other wonderful artists that I think Damien's got line up, lined up on this That's UMAC perfect. festival. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what's the old saying about two birds with one stone? <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think it was about you to go back down there anyway. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's just a wonderful opportunity for people. Anybody listening to this that's in Australia and has the opportunity to come and watch you. Now, the dates are uh, in June and July. So you're down here for about two weeks, but you've only got the three shows. So are you, are you doing uh, a... I think it's I think it's four shows. Oops, my uh, bad. Sorry. Yeah, it is two. Yeah. It's not two weeks. Starts on the... 12th and I think it's 12th, 13th, 14th and 15th. I don't remember exactly what the fourth city is, but as you said, it's Sydney and two dates in Melbourne. And I think the fourth one is Perth. Perth, but yes. I, I, I can't, I can't swear on it. But no, you're you can right. Check it out on Facebook. Yeah, I'm looking at it now on Facebook. Sorry, I should. I did have it up before, but I, I, it's just you know, Facebook compresses things. And then when you open it up, you don't have three shows. You have got four shows. You know, yeah. so 12th of July, you're at Inglewood, which is in Perth, I believe. 
Then you're in Sydney, the show that I'm going to, which is a Saturday night on the 13th of July. Then the Tote, which I think is a very famous venue down there in Melbourne. And then there's a venue that I've never heard of before, but no doubt it's good. If you're booked there, it's called The Old Bar on Ju- July the 16th. Yep. You know? So you've got, you've got two days for... Have you got any... I mean, I wouldn't say sightseeing, you know what I mean, but are you going to get the opportunity... <laughs> You don't remind me, you don't strike me as the sort of bloke who wants to go and pat the koalas, put it that way. But. <laughs> I, would, I actually wouldn't mind. I do like animals. <laughs> I hope I hope there's time to see some interesting things. Yeah, I hope they. I, I hope Damo and the crew down there have, have got some stuff lined up for you because it's a long way to travel, and I'm sure they will. Yeah. My interactions with him online, by the way, have been very pleasant. Uh, which always yeah. helps, you know. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, you know, Melbourne and Sydney, there's really, they're big metropolises at the end of the day and they're both, yeah. you know, they're both, uh, you know, close enough to the bush and to animals and stuff to, to get out there and have a bit of a look. So hopefully that happens. Yeah, for and them. that's what I'm really the most interested in. <laughs> cities are cities. They're pretty much the same anywhere. That they but, are. Uh, yeah. But the, the bush would be interesting to see. Because it's so yeah. so very different from anything I I experience here, of course. Well, just uh, if if you get an opportunity to now, I'm just looking at the dates here, and I don't think you will. Okay, which is unfortunate. But there's a fellow called Rex Gilroy, who's an old fella, and what he does is he goes across Australia and looks for ex- for evidence of uh, previous civilizations outside of Aboriginals. Now yeah. he says that he's found evidence for Phoenician ports in Queensland in a place called Serena. But the reason I mentioned Sydney, because in Gosford, he reckons that he's found some hieroglyphs. Now, of course, the, there have been people that said, no, they were done by people who had no idea. And you can tell because the hieroglyphs don't match, but they look bloody old. They look like yeah. they're from different dynasties and stuff. And I think it'd be crazy without having the concrete evidence and assuming that this isn't concrete evidence, it's just something, something that someone's done, that civilizations, yeah. seafaring civilizations, especially like the Phoenicians, wouldn't have been here. But, yeah, if you, if you, can, if you Google Rex Gilroy, he's got whole theories and he, what he says is absolute evidence of these civilizations. It's actually quite, quite, it's quite intriguing that you mentioned this because I, I, I stumbled upon, I think it was him, I stumbled upon this theory just like a week ago by accident. Hmm. And it intrigued me quite a lot, and it does. He does. It does make a lot of sense to me. I I really don't believe that civilization is only a couple of thousand thousands of years old. Humans have been around for so many hundreds of thousands of years that there's bound to have been civil or advanced civilizations before. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt in a country as old as Australia. We are the oldest above sea level landmass in the world. That's why we've got yeah. no mount- we've got no genuine mountains like what you guys do in, in Europe and in Scandinavia. Um, no, you know we've got cold parts, but people just don't live there really all that much. Snowy mountains, they call them. <laughs> You'd probably laugh if you saw our snowy mountains because it's about I don't know <laughs> ten ski fields or something. They're not, and they only operate for a couple of months yeah. a year. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's fascinating stuff, man. It's really interesting. There's north of me here in a place called Gympie. Rex says that there's a something called the Gympie Pyramid because of the stone yeah. structure that's there. But then a lot of the locals go, no, it was an old Italian farmer that came in the early 1900s and he decided he wanted to 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 section his land by putting these these uh, sandstone – or not sandstone, I don't know what they are, to be honest with you, what sort of brick they are or stone they are. But he's um, – there's a lot there, man. I think he did must have stumbled across him because he's the only one really of prominence outside of a few crackpots 
that has yeah. really done the investigation and gone to these places. And, and those people are very, very important. There's a, there's a extreme sense of uh, um, conservatism in, in historians and archaeologists that I don't really enjoy, or I think it's counter. It doesn't seem re- realistic, though, the timelines that are proposed by the majority of historians. It's, it's just, it doesn't make sense, and that it just seems scared to admit it. And it's just a matter of, again, Opening your, opening opening yourself up to the possibility that things aren't exactly the way people tell you that it is. I the older I get, and I'm sure sure you you're of a similar mindset. The more older I get, I stop reading history books, published history books by major institutions, because I don't believe them actually. And no. I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. I just the it, it's from the perspective that there's. Um, yeah, look, this, this is very controversial, this one here, okay, but you might have heard of something called Mungo Man. Yeah. Now, Mungo Man is a completely different hominid species from the Aborigines, according to mitochondrial DNA testing, okay? Yeah. In year 2000, by the way. And then 15 years or so later, I think another university said, no, they got it wrong, and it's definitely Aboriginal Australian. Now, you yeah. can imagine the consequences of this, okay? Yeah. This is a hominid which is dated at 60,000 years of age, which at the time it was dated was a full twenty or 15,000 years before the arrival of Aborigines. All of a sudden, you've got a hominid species that existed here before the arrival of Aborigines. And yep. that has that theory, according to some institutions and some historians, has now been said, no, they got it wrong. The DNA was contaminated. It's actually an Aboriginal thing, Aboriginal DNA. And also, too, that means that out of Africa is still intact. But yep. the reality is for... A period of time there with the technology that they had they're saying year 2000 i think it was the university of adelaide or the anu one of the two i might i don't want to get it wrong of course because people are going to be listening to this people do your own research on this one here but um <laughs> yeah and then they they what what are they so reinterred the remains of mungo man from the uk from england because you know all of our important stuff went across to there because of our colonial of heritage and yeah. and did an aboriginal ceremony for it but I, yeah. I think that, you know, you talk about these things being um, – it's too easy to say it's about political correctness, but it is certainly falling under that banner. But I think when you've yeah, got no really – you know what I'm saying, you've got really important discoveries like this, and then they go and revisit history and go, no, they got it wrong. It's actually this. It keeps this line of history intact exactly to the – I think some of the, the things you might have been referencing a moment ago – um, or beforehand, and I think it's very disappointing because we want to know the truth, and it doesn't mean that the Aborigines haven't been here for a very long time and were the no. were the longest existing civilization or longest continuous existing civilization. It doesn't take anything away exactly. from that. We just want to know what our real no. history is. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it's ultimately all these things are pretty meaningless information, but it's certainly very interesting and. Uh, as an intellectual exercise, it should be within everyone's interest to actually get as close to the truth as possible, even if there's lots of things we probably can never find out. At least, I mean, it's a it's an exercise for the mind, and that then you should actually strive to be as mm. correct as possible. Mm. The other one is the pyramids are a lot older. That's an old one, though. Everybody knows that one. You know, they're far older. Yeah, than yeah. The 4, I mean, that, that's not even that's not even controversial anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm re- I'm I'm seeing that. Yeah, it's becoming mainstream yeah. that they're far older than that because of the. Um, I was listening to Joe Rogan and he had somebody come on that. I don't know whether they're an expert or not, but someone was talking about it anyway, and they're saying, no, if you look at 
the we we study the effects of water on stone and on minerals. Yeah. And we're yeah. talking that I'm just going to pull a number out here. It is tens of thousands of years older than what historians claim that it is at the moment. Yeah. Last last number I read was that it, it cannot be young, younger than ten thousand years old because um, uh, it's eroded by rain and it doesn't rain in that part of the world for at least ten thousand years. Well, expect the status quo to continue. That's what I would say, because as long as there are vested interests in keeping people stupid and of course. And and keeping people tribal, which is the bloody awful thing, you know, and keeping people uh, particularly in Europe, you know, there's there's this identity politics that occurs right across the states and we've got a little bit of it here, although not as much as what yeah. I think you guys have got of it in Europe, but that it really seeks to no, divide I don't people. Think. You know, and that's a terrible thing, mate. You know, we're all part of the human race, okay, and we yeah. we are notable for our differences, and our differences yeah, should exactly. be celebrated. I love different cultures. I don't want to yeah, have. I mean, that's no monoculture is is boring. <laughs> I I find something very positive about every culture that's ever existed. I truly do. There's a lot we can learn from everybody. There's no point in having homogenous humanity. No, and it's impossible as well. I mean, your your circumstances are gonna make you different. Even if we're even if we have access to all this information and you instantly know what's going on on the other side of the world, you're still a part of where you are at the moment, and that's always gonna be different. Mm. Indeed, it is. How's things in Sweden these days? Because I've got a, spoken to a lot of artists from Sweden, and I can tell you <laughs> some of the feedback well, I get ain't really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I moved, but <laughs> oh, are you not in Sweden anymore? No, I moved to Berlin last year. Oh God, how was that? Mm. That's good. It's, it's, so it's far, far more practical place to live for me. Yeah, yeah. I actually thought you would have moved more rural. Actually, so you've gone right back into a metropolis. <laughs> you've yeah, had to. That's yeah. A, it's pretty much the only city I can see myself living in. I would like to live in the countryside, but. That's not feasible at the moment. So yeah, it's not practical. I'd live yeah. live in a city that I actually enjoy being. In. What do you like about Berlin? What are the things that really appeal to you? It's it's sort of a, it has a lot of good sides. I mean, it's uh, it's it's in the north of Europe, so things actually work. But it's also a very casual vibe. People things things can happen. That whatever you want to do, you can do. So it has a little bit of the southern mentality in it, but like I said, st things still work. Mm. It's also, I mean, logistically practical because it's fairly central in Europe. I can get to uh, to gigs easier, which is a good <laughs> good side of it. Mm. Instead of having ten hours to travel, I have two hours to travel, uh, and I mean, there's a lot of culture going on. Everything from like music to old art and it's just and the climate is a little bit better and yeah, it's a nice place. Yes. I've I've only ever really heard people rave about Berlin. I've got to say Australians that have gone over there and a lot of a lot of of Australians do live in Berlin. I've noticed Yeah, I know plenty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is it? I don't I don't know what it is. We we tend to love Europe Australians. We tend to go and live over there and for well, even my brother and sister have lived in England for years and they've they've come back. But uh yeah, mm -hmm. they've gone over there. I, to be honest, I don't have any desire. Um not that I don't not like the place, but I just prefer, I just prefer Asia. Um, I do yeah. love Asia and um, South America. I definitely want to get across to South America as well. Yeah, that's on my list as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that'd be very, that'd be, Argentina is a country that really fascinates me, actually, because they play rugby there, and I've mentioned I love rugby, and uh, a lot of yeah. South, a lot of South Americans do remind me of Australians, Spanish-speaking Australians, I've got to say, they tend to sort of, uh, uh, what's the old saying, work to live, not live to work. Yeah. Which I think is a real that's issue. That's a good, yeah, oh, that's a good, big issue. good principle. I, I, I found, I was shocked to hear that Australians work the longest hours in the, in the developed world. That yep. really surprised me, but I think that's isolated to the capital city, Sydney and Melbourne. I don't think yeah. that's like that up here at all. Everybody I know that I associate with, and I associate with a lot of people, have a pretty good balance. Yeah, that's yeah. important and hard to achieve. It's very hard to achieve, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, it's it's been another fantastic chat. You know, I, I've got yeah, to say, pleasure. I'm just so I'm just so thrilled that you, you that Damien reached out to you and that there's an opportunity for you to come down. I wouldn't miss this show for the world, mate. I've got to say, and anybody listening, if there are tickets available, this is, you know, Thomas as an artist, you've got to see to be believed. And I've watched plenty of your videos online, and I can't wait to see you get up there and and do what you do. It'll be so interesting to watch much. you. Yeah, yeah. Even better the second time around, mate. Thank you very much for the conversation. A pleasure. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Catch you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was the most excellent Thomas Eklund, who is the Swedish via Berlin artist, Trapanering's Richelin. Thanks so much for listening.